Thank you, and uh, it is very nice to be back. Um, as David said, I was here nearly 20 years ago. Um, so I was full-time MBA, class 91 to 92. And, um, and this is the first time I've come back in an official capacity. I guess I've been back here and around uh, because I was with Cable and Wireless for many years and the Cable and Wireless College is just around the corner. But this is the first time I've set foot back in the, uh, in the business school in, in 20 years, so it is nice to be back. Um, so without further ado, I'll, I'll kick off and I'll talk a little bit about myself and then we'll get into the, uh, the meat of the presentation. Um, so my name is, it's pronounced Mark Herity. Uh, I'm the managing director of the business bit of, of Virgin Media. And I'll talk much more about Virgin Media as, as we go through the rest of the presentation. Uh, Full-time student here. Uh, before I came here, I worked for Schlumberger in the oil industry for about six years, uh, and then decided, as um, an engineer from Trinity College Dublin, decided to reskill myself, do an MBA, as many engineers do, uh, and then looked to uh, go into, uh, into another line of work. After about six years in the oil industry, I thought I either stay in it for the rest of my life or I make a change. I decided to make a change and, uh, and that's, that's why I came here. And it really did change my life. Um, I was married with one child when we came here. We had uh, one of the houses in Cryfield Cottages, uh, just 200 yards from here. Uh, we had our second child while we were here. And uh, upon graduating, I got a project in the summer semester, as, as many of those that are on the MBA course I'm sure still do. Uh, and that was with a company called Mercury Communications. Um, the only reason I chose Mercury is they were the only people who would have me. Um, so I went to Barclays here in Westwood Business Park. I went to Mercedes and other people. Um, but the only people who responded uh, were Mercury. And at the time, they had a big facility in Milton Keynes, which was stri striking distance from here. Uh, so that's why it was them. There was no other reason. Telecoms in 1992, um, I mean, it became sexy for a while, I guess, in the, uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think it's probably gone back down the other way now. Um, but it was just another industry. There was no particular reason why I went for it other than it suited my, uh, my commuting. Uh, I ended up staying with Mercury Communications Cable and Wireless for about 12 years and did everything from marketing strategy, sales director, uh, and I ran all of UK and, uh, and Europe in 2003, um, by which time I was living in France. Uh, so I spent um, seven years in total in France, living in Paris originally, and then in the best place in the world, the south of France, for, for five years, commuting up and down to uh, initially Paris and then London. Um, after a few years of semi-retirement, I've got some lots of life stories I can share with you over a beer sometime. Um, but I thought I was reasonably wealthy. I thought I could continue to live in Mugen, where I had a nice house. After about three years of doing that, I realized I needed to, I was too young to retire, needed to, to find an, another job again. So I joined a company called Flag, Fiberlink Around the Globe, which is one of the world's premier providers of submarine cable systems, fiber optic cable systems through which the internet runs, um, which is part, was bought out of Chapter 11 by Reliance, a huge Indian conglomerate, and I was president of Europe, Middle East, and Africa, based primarily in Dubai. So I spent uh, nearly three years living in Dubai, another interesting experience. Uh, and then about a year and a half ago, just over a year and a half ago, I was looking to really base myself in, in the UK, in, in London again permanently. It suited my life stage, wanted to um, reintegrate, if you like, into the UK, having effectively been out for over a decade. And uh, I got uh, the job at, at Virgin Media, which is uh, great timing. Uh, and the first thing I did uh, when I arrived was looked to change the brand because um, 
a year and a half ago, we were still called NTL Telewest, and we're now a very different company with a, with a terrific brand. So I think you'll all agree, whatever you might think of the various Virgin companies, and we all have had experiences on the rail system and on the planes, uh, same as everybody else, it's a great brand. It has so many different businesses within, uh, within the group, and I'll talk a little bit later as the presentation develops on the values that are associated with that brand and why it's a, it's a great thing to have. However, when I arrived a year and a half ago, this is what I had. Um, NTL Telewest Business, the bit of the company that uh, Virgin didn't want is, is what we were called. Uh, it had all of the service legacy of NTL and the charm of Telewest. Uh, it was, and again, many of you in this room have probably been mem or, uh, customers of either NTL or Telewest or their predecessors over many years, and it wasn't a happy experience for, for many people. Um, and the legacy of what became Virgin Media starts, and you probably can't, can't read this, my apologies, starts back in the um, in the early 90s when uh, the UK cable franchises were first licensed. They were then given a telecommunications license in 91. And bit by bit, the 26 different companies that came to form the cable TV businesses in the UK all went into Chapter 11 of one sort or another, all became distressed assets. They conglomerated or congealed, depending on your point of view, into one NTL group and another uh, Telewest group. A lot of the bondholders were common and effectively they arranged a marriage in 2006 between NTL and Telewest to become NTL Telewest Business. It then acquired or merged with Virgin Mobile and obviously with the Virgin brand around, why wouldn't you? Uh, you would rebrand yourself away from the brand catastrophe that was NTL and Telewest onto something that's much, much more attractive. However, the business division was left alone. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that before my time to some extent but the majority of them were around Virgin as a company felt it was pushing things far enough with the consumer business and wanted to wait a number of years before it was ready to trust the Virgin, uh, us with the, with the Virgin brand. Virgin tends to be known as a consumer business. There are other B2B uh, businesses within the Virgin group of companies, but by and large, it's a consumer brand. Um, so effectively for two and a half, nearly three years, uh, we soldiered on as, as NTL Telewest business, uh, which was not a particularly happy, happy state of affairs. Uh, if you look at the marketing material, the look and the feel of the brand, uh, even the colours that were used, blues, greens, um, here are some of the marketing materials, um, network <coughs> maps, very product-centric, very cold, very calculating, uh, not at all warm, not at all fuzzy, sat very uncomfortably <coughs> Uh, beside the rest of the Virgin Media Company, even though it was a separate uh, B2B division. Uh, if you looked at some of the, uh, the challenges that the brand faced, and, and this is a very simple uh, spontaneous awareness on the x-axis market share on the, on the y-axis, uh, BT clearly dominates um, in telecommunications as a whole, but particularly so in, in business telecommunications. The awareness of NTL and Telewest was not terrible. There was... Uh, somewhere in the region of 20, 20% spontaneous <laughs> awareness, let's remember. Um, but its market share was, was pitifully small, uh, 3 or 4%. Uh, so the company wasn't even, even punching its weight as, as a brand. Uh, so we looked at the marketplace, thought about what we could do, looked at developing a number of different propositions that would allow us to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, and uh, what we honed in on uh, was... Sorry, I'll, I'll skip over a couple of slides just to speed things up. It was a concept called um, Telecoms 2.0. So this is about trying to refresh uh, the NTL Telewest business brand to capture and define a precise, precise 
position within the marketplace, deliver competitive advantage, opportunity for sustained growth, demonstrating a, a point of difference, all the usual uh, speak that you would normally expect to see. And what we wanted to do was to focus fundamentally upon our capability. Because of the amount of money that has been spent by the companies that went to make up cable TV in the UK, something like £13 billion has been spent over the past decade and a half digging up the streets of the company, uh, country. Those of you that were living in the UK will remember this. The gas companies and the water companies are now doing their fair share of, of civil's work. But the cable TV businesses across the UK created chaos, if we're honest, for about a decade, but put in place a huge network. Uh, and we are the beneficiaries of that legacy. We have, I think, 186,000 kilometres of fibre throughout the UK now, uh, by far and away the second biggest uh, network. In fact, larger than BTs in, in many cases in terms of the technology that's in place. Because it was all built, it was built using buckets of money that was given to us by naive, frankly, American shareholders. Uh, it was then spent by the 26 companies that bit by bit failed. Uh, and as I say, uh, we're lucky because we have benefited from that. So we have a truly next generation network across the UK. Uh, and the advantage is, whilst it crosses 54% of households, it's actually more like 85% of businesses. So the proposition around telecom, uh, telecoms 2.0 uh, was about making sure that people understood, businesses understood our capability. Uh, we have the UK's most advanced national next generation network. Most UK businesses can gain access uh, to that network. And we already provide a range uh, of predominantly data services. Solutions are effective and economical, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we wanted to make sure that people understood our positioning, uh, that we saw ourselves as the future of UK business telecommunications. We have an open and a collaborative style. Uh, we measure our success by the contribution we make to our customers. All of the usual sort of things you would expect to see uh, in terms of developing a relevant proposition. We generated lots of um, marketing material around that theme. You can see the the swoosh uh, which we kept in all of our uh, literature referred effectively suggested the, uh, the network and the, the fiber optic light speed communications that are, that are possible through it. Um, we ran a number of campaigns and it was good, um, but it still didn't have as big an impact as, as we had been expecting. Um, our brand was improved. Uh, we'd redefined the brand. We had started to become a challenger. Um, we weren't as relevant as, as we wanted to be. Uh, and there was, a, there was a real question mark, I think, with, within our company. And remember, this is before I arrived. So to some extent, I'm, uh, I'm speaking based upon what I heard from what are now my team. Um, there was a real question mark on our internal belief within our company. If we were as good as we thought we were, why were we calling ourselves something very different from the rest of the company? Why were we not being branded as Virgin? So whilst uh, the brand vision that we tried to communicate externally seemed coherent, it was based upon solid research, um, it looked and felt much more professional than it had to before, it still wasn't hitting the mark. We then looked at the, um, the quantification of that, and you can see based on our size so on the left hand side you can see the annual business revenue the blue sector being bt dominated by bt uh, and then cable and wireless thus ntl telewest business verizon business etc we've about five percent of the market yet you look at the right hand side and this is a it's known as the search buzz it's it's a measure of the 
activity effect, at least the way I think of it, a measure of the activity that takes place on, on the internet. How many people are searching um, NTL Telewest business or words to, to that effect? Uh, and the answer was, compared to our size, relatively few. And we're already relatively small. Um, so we weren't achieving anything like the sort of buzz, the sort of penetration, the sort of mindshare that you would expect <coughs> given the focus that we were placing uh, upon our marketing message. So we started to think again and we thought, okay, if we can't have the Virgin brand, what could we do? What could we do to try and make this look less, uh, for there to be less dissonance between NTL Telewest business and Virgin Media? So some genius came up with um, a marketing message that was based upon a pink theme, and, and you can tell I didn't, I didn't like this very much. Um, I was arriving at, at about this time, um, and as part of my interview, um, I asked um, our chief executive, why on earth are we still called NTL Telewest Business? I could not think of a worse uh, brand, and, and he said, good question. Why don't we change it? Why don't we look again when you join uh, and see whether or not we can, we can make some changes? So I arrive in the company, the marketing team very proud with the NTL Telewest business, um, with the pink business, uh, and uh, display this to me. And I think not, not quite what I was expecting. Um, they had brand wheels, the usual um, uh, research to, to back up why that would be better than uh, what they had had before. And uh, they were very confident that it was a much cleaner look. It was less um, technology-centric. Uh, they were developing propositions that were much more focused upon customer needs uh, rather than on technology uh, maps. Uh, nevertheless, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was particularly uh, happy with, uh, although I had to say it was, a, it was an improvement on the, uh, on the previous design. So we then started a long discussion with Virgin <laughs> after I joined after I joined the company. And, and the crux of the issue was um, Virgin at merger owned about 17% of our company, mostly through the Virgin mobile element. They had diluted that down significantly. So Virgin still are the second or third largest shareholder in our company, but actually quite small, single digit percentages. Um, yet we still use clearly the, the Virgin brand. Now we pay a license fee and we have an agreement and a contract, yay thick, which describes the sort of things that are expected of us as, as you would expect. And Virgin really, really do understand uh, the value of their brand, I can tell you. Um, so we started a three month negotiation with Virgin Entertainment Limited, who are the company that jealously guards the brand, the brand um, values. Uh, the service level agreements that go with that brand. And, and that's actually, it was a really interesting negotiation because I started to learn much more about what the power of that brand is and how it can be used internally. And again, I'll, I'll touch on this. I'm just conscious of the time. Um, because much of what we did was around internal, internalizing the values of the Virgin brand and less around spending lots of money in advertising and direct marketing. Um, that's actually what's made the big difference to us as a, as a B2B entity. Our consumer colleagues, perhaps slightly different because they spend a huge amount of money on, on marketing. But in, in the B, B2B world, where much of what we do is a personal sell to businesses, local authorities, police forces, etc., perhaps the largest benefit has been uh, the, the brand values and the, and the culture change that went with that. I'll touch on that in a moment. So suffice, suffice excuse me, to say, wasn't uh, terribly impressed with the, oops, Hmm. Um, wasn't terribly impressed with the, with the pink challenge, so we set about creating uh, Virgin Media Business. 
Three months of negotiations passed. We uh, had an agreement. Uh, it was very prescriptive about the sort of things that we should and must do, uh, and I'll touch on that in, in a few moments. So that, to me, fixed a number of problems. One, it meant that we fixed all of the issues that existed between ourselves and the rest of the company. I mean, you would not believe some of the things that happened because we were called something different. Buildings would be redecorated up to the point where the NTL Teleuest team sat, literally. Um, people thought that we had already gone or were just about to go. It was quite bizarre how just calling yourself something different can create internal barriers between one part of a company. Even though we were 100% owned, we were reporting to the same people, didn't matter. Um, and uh, anyway, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, and I don't think I have time for that video. So there's a, there's a, a small video here. Oh, bugger it. I'll, I'll play it. Uh, so th this gives you... This gives you some idea about um, the way in which the company now looks at itself. And it's a video, it's a actually a Virgin Media video. So that's a very good example of the way in which Virgin Media as a single company now sees itself at, at the core of the, uh, of the digital home, uh, if that's a, a residential proposition and at the core of uh, a digital business, if it's a, a B2B proposition. Uh, and clearly that's, um, certainly in terms of the look, the feel, the tone of voice, massively different from where we had come from as uh, NTL Telewest business. So we did a, a big launch uh, almost exactly this time last year. We had Richard Branson come over uh, and do a launch, a press launch, followed by uh, a big customer launch at the Science Museum. And actually, I think you'll see a clip of that will be going up on the, on the website at some stage in the, in the conversation, a clip of the, the, press, the press launch itself. And... As I said earlier on, it's not just about painting ourselves red and, and having a, a different theme. The brand license came with some very stringent service level agreements um, around the customer experience, around the reliability of, of our network, around the performance of, in particular, of our contact centers. Uh, every business has failures. Uh, Virgin is normally particularly good at fixing them. Um, I'm not suggesting that we have fewer failures than everybody else, but I think we do a better job of, of recovering when we do fail. Uh, complaint handling was something that I remember being a particular area of focus when we were doing the nego negotiations. Um, a lot of focus on, on customers, and arguably as a network-driven telco, customers tend to be referred to often as subscribers rather than, uh, rather than customers. So that was quite a change. Big change around people and, and values, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a moment. One of the very interesting things was we were warned during the negotiations that as soon as we called ourselves Virgin, more people would complain. Um, and that is absolutely what happened. You can see a doubling in the number of complaints purely as a result of calling ourselves Virgin. Um, and we were warned that that would happen by, by Virgin because that's exactly what happened when they took over the train service. And one of the reasons is because people's expectations change to reflect the values that they, um, that they believe in, the, the values that that brand has and stands for. Um, so there was no change at all to our service quality, uh, but the number of people who are prepared to pick up a pen and write to Mr. Branson or Sir Richard Branson, uh, and clearly the letters don't get to him, they come to me. Um, but, um, but people still feel that they ought to complain just so as he knows what's going on. Uh, so that was one of the one of the interesting things and certainly something that we were looking out for and it was interesting to see that, uh, that it did actually happen. Um, I've already told you about uh, our network. We have a, a fantastic network that covers the country. That hasn't, that hasn't changed. Um, it 
uh, just is slightly easier to sell up on it now. Our spontaneous awareness, for example, went from 20% to nearly 40% just as a result of the marketing activity that we did around, around our brand. Um, we're quite a large company, uh, and I always think that we're the UK's best kept secret in, in business telecoms. Um, Virgin Media turns over about four billion pounds a year, there or thereabouts. Uh, the majority of that is the cable TV business, so cable TV, broadband, uh, telephony to your home, that's about two and a half billion. The mobile business is about 700 million, and the business business uh, is about 600 million. So even by ourselves, we're the third largest business telecoms operator in the UK, clearly as part of Virgin Media, we're the, we're the number two. So we're quite a large company, um, and comparable with uh, some of these other brands on the right-hand side. Um, uh, we still languish, uh, I'm afraid, at, uh, at somewhere in the region of 4 to 5% market share in business terms. Uh, so I'm just talking about business revenues here. Um, compared to BT, who are still absolutely dominant, uh, cable and wireless acquired thus uh, and uh, have about 10% market share. But if you look at our network assets, uh, which are perhaps a truer, truer reflection of our potential on the right-hand side, uh, you can see that we have nearly 10 times the size of network that cable and wireless has in the UK. Uh, so we have a very strong latent position. Uh, and my job, frankly, as the managing director of this entity is to make sure that the left-hand side trends towards the right-hand side. Because if you look at the assets that we sit on, we should be the number two operator in the UK. The only reason we're not is because we never decided to be. Uh, we never invested in that direction. But the rebrand and the um, focus that is now being placed upon us uh, will get us there, uh, hopefully with my help. Um, otherwise, it'll be somebody even less pleasant than I. Um, so, you know, the latent capacity is, is there. It's, it's a case of us uh, selling up on it. Um, and it's supported by, no great surprise, it's the same in business telecoms as it is in consumer telecoms, huge rise in the use of data, uh, smartphones, um, our own uh, use at home and, uh, and in business, it's no great surprise that uh, in volume terms, uh, our consumption of data is ever increasing and, and there's no sign of that trend stopping. In fact, if anything, it's accelerating, particularly uh, with the use of portable devices like iPads and iPhones and Blackberries, etc. Uh, again, not a great surprise, but it's nice to work in an industry where the underlying trend is up. And there are lots of other industries transport industries, holiday industries, where that trend, that underlying trend is not there. Um, so um, some of our customers, again, a little bit of a, a sales pitch, I guess. Uh, we've got some of the largest companies uh, in the country, Northcliffe Media, which owns the Daily Mail Group and publishes a lot of the local press around the country, companies like Experian. Uh, Everything Everywhere, which is the coming together of Orange and T-Mobile, that's one of our largest customers. We manage a lot of their network. We have a huge position in, uh, in local authorities. You see Hampshire, um, North Yorkshire Police Service. Perhaps our, our biggest market share is in health and emergency services and local authorities. We have about 20, 21% of the market in, in that area. So we're, we're quite strong in some areas, uh, relatively weak in, in others. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the cultural changes because I think uh, one of the biggest changes, despite the fact that I've come to you today in a suit, I don't always wear a suit, I just thought I'd put one on for you. Um, you know, the, the changes that uh, you're allowed to behave differently, you are, different things are expected of you when, when you call yourself virgin. Uh, and we've produced, actually I'll hand some around, um, we produced a rule book, which I'm actually quite proud of. Um, 
which shows the brand and the values and it's it's done up as you will see in a cover which is about breaking the rules uh, a lot of our emphasis over the past year has been spent on the roughly 1,000 people that work in the business division uh, and getting them comfortable with the five attributes of the Virgin brand. Um, so these are the brand values, whether you like it or not. If you sign up to Virgin, this is what you have to deliver against. Good quality, uh, value for money. Uh, interesting the way when uh, you have a brand that stands for value for money, the way in which you're changing things around things like pricing, around the opportunity to gouge uh, when, you have the when, when that opportunity presents itself is generally resisted because somebody will just stick their hand up and say, Mark, that doesn't sound like value to money for me. Uh, so it genuinely does start to impact the way in which you run your business. Innovative and challenging, the, the Virgin brand if you look at the airline, if you look at the, uh, the Challenger, the, the rocket ship, etc., it does stand for innovation. I'll touch on uh, something that we did, very small scale, granted, uh, which is innovative in, in a moment. If anything, it's about brilliant customer service and fun. Um, now, brilliant customer service is something we aspire to. I would not pretend uh, that we give that in every, on every occasion at the moment. Uh, but it is something to aspire to, and it's something that we continually uh, focus and fun. I mean, we, it's just a great company to work in because we do actually enjoy ourselves enormously. As a group, we do all sorts of weird and wacky things. We go to the V Festival every year. We, uh, we, do par we party particularly hard, I have to say. And again, you've got a license to do that because, you know, our boss's boss's boss, Sir Richard Branson, is known to be a bit of a party animal. And those stories that you've probably heard about him are usually true. Um, so, Communicating our values was something that we spent uh, a lot of time on. So we had um, lots of ideas around how we communicate the values. So I and my team did a tour of the country. We met with people. Uh, we had something called Big Bite Sessions, where you have a lunch, you invite 20 or 30 colleagues in, you give them some pizza and some, um, uh, some quiche, and then they can ask you any question they like. So it's about internalizing uh, these values. <clears throat> Uh, we had a dragon's den as well where we got people to bring their business ideas and my team went up and ran effectively a dragon's den in a few locations again less about getting the ideas from people more about building the engagement between the senior management of the company and uh, and people right across the country um, we ran <coughs> um, a number of different schemes one called the edge in fact the winners of this um, prim primarily a sales um, uh, sales challenger, sales premiership, fly off to Dubai in a few days' time. Um, we put in place something called Hot Shots, which we ran every quarter. Uh, we did it uh, Friday before last, was the, uh, the group that won Q4. We run a calendar year, uh, and they went on the Orient Express for the day, uh, around England, mind you, not, uh, not to Istanbul. Uh, but still, it was a fantastic event, and we've run four of those so far, and we'll continue doing that. And again, it's all about doing something radically different to the way in which NTL Telewest business was run. It's about injecting, injecting fun. Now, um, you know, so what? So you painted yourself red, you're all having a bit of fun. Um, has anything changed? Well, yes, because one of the ideas that came out of uh, these sessions that we were running was something that we called Big Red, um, Big Red Internet. And I'll, uh, I've got a, a short um, explanation of it. It's something that was on our website. And <clears throat> it's the sort of thing that you can do when you are a company called Virgin because we would never have done this as NTL Telewest business. 
in effect, what we did is we said the network is empty by and large during the day. Our network, because it's designed around millions of people who sit at home and surf in the evening, during the day, the network's pretty empty. I exaggerate slightly, but only slightly. Um, it's built around a peak that's between 7 p.m. And, and 10 p.m. So what we said is, why don't we give effectively unconstrained bandwidth to our business customers during the day? And as long as they're not selling that to other companies who then use it in the evening, we should be all right. Um, now, obviously, lots of people in operations put their hands up and said, you can't do that. Lots of people in finance put up their hands and say, uh, what, you're giving value away? Until we explain to people that it actually costs us more to constrain the, it's technical issue, I won't go into it here, but when you present a bearer, which is 100 meg or, or a gigabit, it costs you more to constrain the use of that bearer than it does just to say to the, the business, use whatever you want. Um, so we gave our business customers infinitely more, infinitely more, 10 times more bandwidth than they had previously got for a 20% premium on the price. That was the proposition. Um, and it went down a storm with IT people. Um, oops, sorry, I'm just going to play you the, uh, the little video. So a very simple example of, of how using, um, thinking not outside the box, but thinking that is, that is aligned to the values of the brand that we now have, gives you the license, if you like, to go and do something quite different.